What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast that you know and love as Short Shifts. I'm your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you on this fine, fine Thursday evening? I'm doing great. I just wrapped up my conferences for the trimester, so I've got those out of the way. Very relaxing, and uh, yeah, I've actually got the Arizona Coyotes coming over to stay with me. They're going to crash on my couch for a little while while they look for a new home. Oh my gosh, that's... uh. I'm, that's nice of you. That's you and your wife are a saints for uh, for housing what I would assume is a very hungry franchise. Yeah, we're you know we're very generous, and with everybody in the neighborhood kind of coming to to stop by and and Ag a little be like a, like a full Gila River Arena. Well, Lewis, we should get into the fantasy hockey analysis and very clear where we have to start tonight. And that is in Edmonton, where multiple sources have confirmed, and now I guess we have agent confirmation, that Evander Kane has signed a deal to join the Edmonton Oilers. Could be in the lineup as early as this weekend, as the NHL announced today. They will not be under. They they did not find enough evidence to uh, enforce discipline on Evander Kane for his alleged uh, crossing the border while COVID positive. Um, you know, at this point, Kane should probably be rostered in all competitive leagues already. I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to this show that Evander Kane is not on your waiver wire. Lewis, what's the upside here? What do you see Evander Kane doing in his new home in Edmonton? Well, I mean, it seems pretty clear that he'll end up playing alongside at least one of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, so that obviously is an immediate, uh, you know, a very appealing opportunity to have. And obviously we've seen many, many wingers come and go in those positions. And a lot of them have, you know, passed through pretty obscurely, but none of them have really had the, the skill set that, uh, Kane can bring to the table. You know, um, hockey politics aside and all of that, I think, you know, focusing on the fantasy benefit here, I think this is a great opportunity. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be able to cash in on it right away. You know, he has, not, you know, he's been kind of on his own for conditioning. Uh, he will not have had a chance to do a whole lot of skating with his new team. So I think it may take some time, but who knows? Maybe he comes out like gangbusters and he's just ready to play. He's been desperate to get on the ice, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some hiccups and bumps here and there. Um, you know, it's been kind of unavoidable with, uh, with Edmonton, you know, throughout the whole season. Uh, and still does not solve the uh, goalie issue, uh, which really is kind of at the core of some of their problems. But it may give them, you know, may help them shake out of uh, some of their offensive funk that they've been in lately. Uh, although, they, you know, they've had a couple solid games in a row. So uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's where we're headed. Yeah, after the shutout against Florida uh, on last, last a week from today, I guess, uh, they've won two straight and... You know, I don't actually care at all about the the goaltending. I'm just thinking about the uh, the forward group here. And honestly, like the there are three natural centers in Edmonton, though Ryan Nugent Hopkins has obviously been playing on the wing uh, most of the last couple of years. 
but you could really see Evander Kane fitting with any of those three. Like the thought of Zach Hyman going into the corner and fishing out the puck for McDavid and Evander Kane is super appealing. The thought of Dreisaitl and Kane as dual threats to shoot the puck on line two is incredible. And honestly, imagine a team trotting out a Ryan Newton Hopkins, Evander Kane third line. Like the, I guess the permutations of the, their top end talent is pretty incredible in Edmonton. Um, I guess the, the, the next question for me is what does this do to their top power play? Uh, does Kane, a player who doesn't really fit in the net front role, um, where does he wind up on this power play? Cause I would assume that it's, uh, I would assume that they're keeping, you know, the McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins group. Uh, does Kane and, do Kane and Hyman alternate with one of them going on a second unit? Is it just Kane all the time? I, I think that'll be really curious to see. Yeah, definitely. It'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, Game Day Lines does such a great job, uh, tweeting out, uh, even strength and power play units. So yeah, I would just keep an eye on there and, and, you know, uh, if he's not on the top power play to start out the gate, I wouldn't stress too much because I think he could certainly find his way there, you know, as he gets his legs under him as well. So, you know, just uh, just something to to think about there. I mean, the other thing with Evander Kane is that he has very rarely been top power play in his career, and he's still been a 60-point guy, uh, even without top power play in San Jose. So, I mean, I think given the the quality of the caliber of player that he's going to be playing with at even strength, I, I really wouldn't be worried. You're going to get value out of him just from his peripherals, regardless of what his uh, his power play deployment is. Yeah, I was gonna say if he comes out and is really moving, and and I think if he wants to try to impress the new the new staff that he's working for, I think those peripherals are are all but guaranteed. Yeah, I mean that's those things have always been guaranteed with Kane. And the other thing that you mentioned is like worrying about the rust or whatever. But I mean, he did play in the the AHL and and he put up points while doing it. So I, I'm not overly concerned about conditioning. I guess you know the same as any player coming back from COVID protocol. Uh, not the ideal. A diagnosis to have for a returning athlete but hopefully for him and f- and for those who are counting on him to give them a boost in the second half of the regular season he uh he doesn't feel ill effects from that lewis let's go now to a player who is certainly feeling the ill effects today and that is drake batherson who it was announced today will be out at least two months uh, I believe it was the Ottawa Sun reporting later in the day that it's unlikely Batherson returns this season. We talked to Alex Formanton on Tuesday, a player who has been on a hot streak with Jimmy Stutzel. But Tyler Ennis was the one who actually got the first shot on the top power play, and he registered a hat trick on Tuesday night. The Sens also appear to be going back to the Kachuk-Norris-Sanford line one combo. Uh, and is joining that aforementioned hot Formanton and Stutzel duo. So I, I guess I'm wondering, Lewis, who would you rather of this group? Would you rather line two, power play one, Tyler Ennis, line two, power play two, Alex Formanton, or line one, power play two, Zach Sanford? Yeah, I think I've gone undergone a little bit of an evolution in my opinion on this topic. I think when we started the show, I was more inclined to take that power play one guy just because the chance of scoring was, you know, significantly higher. But 
it's worth keeping in mind, of course, that, you know, those power plays don't even always get out there on the ice. So uh, I guess I would lean towards line one, power play two, Zach Sanford, and see what happens. He was an interesting hold for stretches uh, last season, I believe. And certainly getting a, a great opportunity to play some significant minutes with uh, the top line. So I think that is the way I would go. I picked him up in the shared keeper league that you and I play in uh, because he's got that great schedule coming up uh, for the rest of the um, long, you know, all-star break. So uh, that's where I'm leaning at the moment. I'm surprised to hear you say that, though. I do think it's interesting you mentioned how your your strategy has evolved over the course of the show. Because I guess I would usually go for the top power play guy, but I'm going to go for Alex Formanton. Give me the guy who is on the hot streak and seems to be clicking with his current line mate, uh, Jimmy Stu. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd i probably go Ennis after that, I, I guess maybe just because I'm a sucker for the the most recent uh, hat trick that he put up. But um, yeah, it, he's also shooting a ton. Uh, six shots in back-to-back games and now another three tonight through uh, 40 minutes. Uh, Lewis, let's go next to Toronto. I guess we're all uh, we're all Canada to start the show tonight. Why don't you talk about a little bit of a shakeup in the uh, center of the universe? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, so in an attempt to spread the offense out a little bit, we saw a line one with Kasha, Bunting, and Matthews, a line two with Mikheyev, uh, Tavares, and Marner, and then Nylander down on line three with Kerfoot and Kampf. Um, you know, and while there was, you know, a decent number of shots, all, the only scoring took place on the power play. Uh, so it's possible the staff concludes that these even strength lines aren't maintaining. So keep an eye on game day lines. Um, but it does put some players in some interesting spots. Uh, line three, Willie Knee stayed relevant. He got a goal and an assist. Of course, both of those came on the power play, not with his new even strength line mates. Uh, so he may be in for a little bit of reduced scoring, uh, for as long as these lines last. Looking over kind of the other interesting players, um, I kind of like Mikheyev in his spot. Uh, compared to Kasha, who um, Elon and Brian were talking about a little bit on Twitter, although they came around to my side of things. You know, he had, uh, before last night, he had seven points in his previous eight games. So I guess that's seven and nine now uh, with 26 shots over that span, mostly playing with Kampf and Engvall. Uh, so getting the upgrade to having Tavares and Marner on that line, I think is pretty interesting. Don't really love the Leafs schedule this week, but if those lines hold together, that Monday, Tuesday back-to-back against New Jersey uh, could be a good opportunity to grab uh, one of those Leafs players in a new spot. And I would uh, put Mikheyev, uh first and Kasha second. I like Mikheyev's shots, but honestly, pretty bored by him in general um just like we've seen him be a 25 30 point guy uh as recently as last season i just don't really buy the like he's a hot streak he's shooting 21 percent, six goals on on 30 shots i i'm not really buying it uh i would rather have kasha just for the upside in case you know i mean the upside in case he stays healthy, which is very unlikely. Um, I might actually prefer Kerfoot still of the three, but certainly this is the worst development that we've, or the the worst deployment that we've seen from him. Um, and yeah, I, these guys, these secondary Leafs are, are all so interchangeable to me. I, I, 
you're basically just taking a a dart throw, uh, grabbing any one of them and hoping that they're the line that gets hot uh, that evening. And uh, not my favorite way to play the stream game, personally. Yeah, for sure. I see where you're coming from there. Um, but, you know, I think against a, a kind of, you know, suspect devil's team, that could still be an interesting option. And maybe you do throw your dart and just grab one at random or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, credit to like you. you talk credit, I, th- I feel like you talk crap about the devils all the time. You're, you're talking crap about the devils a lot lately. Is that not okay? Well, I, I just I just notice it. I, I guess it doesn't. I'm I'm just curious to see it. I have lingering uh, 1995 uh, uh, despair over uh, their thrashing of the wings in the final. So, All right. Uh, I'm ready for that credit you were about to give me, though. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to give you a little bit of credit there. Uh, you said you liked Alex Formanton top, and uh, he just put a goal past Frederick Anderson. So there you go. Well, I love to get credit. And uh, there I go being right again. Uh, Lewis, let's hop over to Colorado next, where I know you're going to be sad to talk about this next player. Yeah, sad, but not as maybe filled with despair as I thought I might be. So and this is about Nathan McKinnon, who left Wednesday's game uh, with what has since been announced is a broken nose after Taylor Hall gave him a clean, open ice hit, uh, and it drove McKinnon's stick into his face. Uh, Bedner says he will likely miss the Avs trip to Chicago on Friday night. He did not travel with the team, so that seems to be very much the case. While this is kind of small comfort to uh, Ms. McKinnon, who will be looking at that battered mug for years to come. I think it should probably prompt a sigh of relief from McKinnon rosters that it's not something more serious like a concussion. Um, not saying that he'll necessarily be back in time for Sunday's home game versus Buffalo, but it does seem like it is a possibility. Really, all they've said is, okay, he's not coming on the trip to Chicago, but uh, he could remain behind and potentially play in that Sunday game. In the meantime, we saw Andre Burakovsky slide into McKinnon's power play one slot, uh, and Kadri took over top-line duties after Mac left on Wednesday night. So pretty much what you would expect to see uh, with McKinnon going out. You know, he's been out before, so uh, this is more or less, you know, back to, to what to expect. Maybe not a huge advantage to anyone in terms of deployment, uh, just because, you know, most of these players should be pretty thoroughly rostered. All right, Lewis, we are going to talk about a couple of under-the-radar pickups that you might want for the upcoming Mega Week and a major injury update in Detroit. But first, a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Short Shifts. All right, Ben, wanted to talk with you just for a moment about HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh is the farm-fresh pre-portioned uh, meal kit with seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week of being picked so you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, save waiting in long holiday lines, and ensure that you don't waste money on excess food. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including veggie, calorie-smart, family-friendly, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Recipes like hibachi sweet soy bavette steak and shrimp bring restaurant-quality meals right to your kitchen, while their white cheddar Wonder Burgers make it easier than ever to skip the takeout. Uh, you know, I mentioned last week we've been a HelloFresh family for quite a while. It's very nice just to not have to worry about, you know, uh, what that next dinner is going to look like. Uh, you know, we are, we are scheduled people and we like that. We had a really outstanding firecracker meatball meal, uh, that they sent us and, you know, uh, it was nice for us. We held the sauce off and the kids enjoyed it. Uh, 
fun for the whole family. So uh, check it out. Uh, and if you would like to do so, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash Carlson16 and use code Carlson16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Carlson with a K, 16, and use code Carlson16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. So head on over today, sign up, and soon you also will be receiving America's number one meal kit. Welcome back to Short Shifts. And Lewis, I'm going to throw the ball on over to you to talk a bit about your beloved Detroit Red Wings. So one Red Wing I was really excited to see play his first full season in Detroit, but has not yet suited up for a game is Jakub Verana. He had that preseason shoulder injury, um, but he was at Red Wings practice. While he still won't get full clearance to shoot coming back from his shoulder injury yet, Coach Blaschel said that he'll be reevaluated in mid-February. He's still 17% rostered, and we're only about two weeks away from when we'll get to that reevaluation stage. How long before you'd say he should be stashed in all deeper leagues as long as you have sufficient IR space? Yeah, I mean, in deeper leagues, I think at this point, where once you get a few weeks out from a return, I'd say it's probably worth grabbing Verana and stashing him on your roster. Um, we're in a league together. You you mentioned it earlier, a keeper league. There's only two IR spots. It's been a, a horrible disaster uh, through the COVID season, and uh, Verana has been rostered pretty much all season or maybe hit the waiver wire for a few weeks but it got added again back in uh back in late december and uh yeah i would say like in a lot of leagues it's worth stashing him at this point but i wouldn't be dropping a player if i'm in the middle of the you know it's the the usual caveats right i'm not going to be dropping a player that could be helping me now if i really need that help right now yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're cutting me to the quick a little bit. I drafted him there, was very excited to potentially have him and then ended up, uh, of course, losing him for, uh, enough of the season that I had to let him go. So he'll be having his fun on another player's roster, I'm afraid. Uh, an interesting complication to, or an interesting addition maybe to Verona's potential return. I wanted to talk a little bit about Lucas Raymond. Uh, he's been a darling of the early season Calder race, uh, unless like Elon, you went with his teammate and fellow fantasy heartthrob Mo Sider. Um, he seemed to have hit a bit of a wall recently, um, but he has picked it up as of late with four points in the last five games, although that only brings him up to six points in the last 11. Uh, and he's only had one or zero shots in six of those outings. He's still getting really prime deployment. Uh, but like I said, the news that Verana is skating does complicate things a little bit. We could see Verana replace Nemesnikov on Larkin's other wing to create a more potent line one for him to play on. But he also seems like the most likely to drop out of the top power play unless Blaschel decides to demote Robbie Fabry instead. And I don't necessarily see that happening. Uh, so could be a situation where his even strength deployment is improved, but maybe he loses out on some of his power play opportunities. Give me Trevor Zegras over uh, either of the Red Wings for the Calder at this point. I, I think he's scored another Michigan tonight looking like a, I, I think he's just going to be, I think he's just going to take over that race in the, uh, over the next few months. Um, when it comes to Raymond versus Verana, I think I don't really see why Raymond would get pushed off of that top spot. Uh, and I think they all fit in the uh, on the top power play, uh, along with Larkin, Bertuzzi and Sider. Um, but yeah, I could see the wings kind of I mean, we've seen them shuffle the top six up 
a few times throughout the the past few years and so i wouldn't be shocked at all to see uh to see raymond and verona both get get a little bit of uh a little bit of run in that top line spot yeah so i like that because i would have said certainly hold on to raymond anyway if he's going to see improved line one and if you think that he can stick on top power play two with verona back i think that's very exciting all right, Lewis, we have a couple of streaks we wanted to chat about, and uh, I'm going to let you start because these are a couple of guys that you flagged on Twitter today. Yeah, so I was trying to figure out if there was a uh, bigger disparity maybe between one player and his two line mates on line one, power play one. You've got uh, Patrick Kane at 99% rostered, and then his line mates are Brandon Hagel and Dylan Strom at 2 and 3% respectively. Maybe the least rostered line one power play one forwards in Yahoo. Uh, so these guys are widely available and make pretty appealing options for plugging holes in your lineup, especially if they were caused by tragic injuries to your key players, uh, as we have both experienced recently. I'll start with Strom. Strom's got nine points in eight games after Wednesday's four-point explosion, including six shots and a hat trick against the Red Wings. His shooting has been kind of feast or famine in January, He's got four games with two or more shots and four with one or zero. Um, but, you know, lately this has really been his most extended look on line one with Kane and Hagel. And maybe we're finally seeing signs of the breakout that we had hoped to see. Uh, Hagel, meanwhile, has been shooting less on average, although with more consistency. So, you know, just shooting more regularly in none of these zero shot games uh, or, you know, I think only one in there in the recent past. Uh, he has six points in his last seven games to go with 13 shots, and he's getting about a hit and about a half a block per game for you as well. Since returning from a brief injury absence, he has not played below 18 minutes and has been a fixture on line one and power play one. Really what could, you know, what I th- would hope to see here uh, and what might goose those uh, roster numbers a little bit is if Patrick Kane could start to see some positive shooting percentage regression, it could really buoy their numbers even more. Uh, he continues to shoot a ton without much result. He has two goals in those last 11 games on 38 total shots. So not really what you would expect to see in terms of conversion rate, but definitely the shooting we've always come to expect from Patrick Kane. Yeah, I think that's interesting um, to see Dylan Strom start to get it together. I don't really have much hope for for Strom or Hagel beyond, you know, like I, I'm not saying don't ride the hot streak, but they've just, Strom has been, it just it's just been a disappointment anytime you've decided to get your hopes up for him uh, since he's been drafted. So it, I, it's just hard for me to, to get hurt again, I guess. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from there. Uh, but you know, I think, uh, I think they make, especially with five games, uh, during the extended week 16, you know, that puts them in pretty rare company, you know, in the top half of the league in terms of, uh, uh, games that they'll play during that break. So, uh, that's a, that's a pair that I am definitely interested in. Yeah, no, just to be clear, I, I mean specifically as uh, I, I'm definitely I definitely see their value as streamers. I, I'm speaking specifically rest of season. I, I just I don't want to uh, get my hopes too high because, as I said, they've hurt me before, or at least Strom has. And Hagel is a player who you can see him already as just one of those guys who like when he's on a heater, worth it. And then uh Chicago seems terrible and they go cold. The one thing I found very interesting in looking into Chicago's deployment is that Jonathan Taves has finally been removed from the top power play unit. 
maybe that does help them uh, sustain some level of competence is just getting Taves off of it because he certainly wasn't doing anything with that deployment. And uh, it would be nice if that did clear them up for a little bit of uh, positive uh, pro- progress on the uh, power play in Chicago. Lord knows they need something to cheer about. Um, Lewis, we have just a couple more players that we wanted to talk about, and I'm going to start in Calgary, where Rasmus Anderson appears to be on a bit of a hot streak here, points in four straight, and he's shooting quite a bit, seven shots on Wednesday, 15 over the past four games, and he's averaging two blocks per night over the past 10 games. He is the uncontested top power play guy in Calgary, and Calgary has a very nice schedule rest of season among the most games played remaining uh, across the entire NHL. Anderson's still just 36% rostered, and while I don't think he's going to be a 60-plus point power play one defenseman, even a 45-50 to point D-man with that cushy schedule has some pretty solid value. And while he's on the hot streak, is probably the best time to try and grab him off the waiver wire if he happened to make his way there uh, over the last few weeks when Calgary had a bit of a, a sporadic schedule. And when I was looking for players who I, I might consider dropping for Anderson, I, I noticed Eric Johnson is still 48% rostered on Yahoo, despite having no points in his last 11 Still really solid peripherals from EJ, but rostered in nearly 50% of leagues to me is is just an over-index. Um, you know, the hits are still coming, and I guess in hits leagues, Anderson is going to give you zero hits. So I, I can see holding on to Johnson if he fills a very specific role on your roster. But I, I do think that his 48% and Razman's 36% should probably be flipped. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think maybe this is an artifact of folks adding him kind of during some of these, you know, four game, uh, Colorado weeks and just sort of not ever letting him back go, especially if they're in cats leagues, you know, getting, um, some of those stat stuffers. But I agree with you. I think, uh, Anderson is the more interesting ad. You know, we saw what we thought might be. Oliver Shillington kind of making a push for potentially getting some more of that power play time. It hasn't really emerged. I think Anderson is, is the pick there for sure. All right, Lewis, that's all the time that we have for this evening. Uh, thank, ever, thank you to all for listening to tonight's show. And uh, Lewis, thanks for joining me. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. My pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for joining us, listeners. Be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. You can find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson, Dave Betten of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. And I also recommend you follow the Game Day Suite at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News. Uh, Shams and Elon working really hard to give you uh, every little bit of news as it comes across the feed. Uh, you can also visit the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Cacuffle.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.